friends, Misty here. Thanks so much for checking out this very special season of Marketing Sweats. This year marks Samantha's 40th year in business. So to celebrate, we're inviting Samantha on the podcast to share stories about a project they've worked on that made them proud. We're calling it Point of Pride. In this episode, I'm chatting with Aaron Bowald, our Executive Strategy Director. It isn't always easy working in a male-dominated industry with clients at heavy industry brands, but Erin is a rock star. She credits her success in large part to the strong women leaders around her who taught her and helped her recognize her potential. And now she's doing the same for so many others, especially one very important little girl, her daughter. Have a listen and I'll see you on the other side. Okay, I'm here today with Erin Bowald, our Executive Strategy Director. It's actually your second time on the podcast, I believe. It is. Yeah. I hear some people are jealous. They are. It's people should go deal. listen to your other one where you talked about CX, right? I did talk about our CX. Discipline. Yeah. And I rapped. Yeah, I love it. You had to wait for the end for that one. And I just want our listeners to know that I can't be in the same room without almost crying laughing with this lady. So this has been difficult even to get this far in our discussion. I hope that they leave in all of our flubs. <laughs> all right, let's start at the beginning. Okay. So tell us about you, Erin Bowald, and your background and how you found the mantle. Give us the backstory on Erin. Okay. The early days? The early days. Like I want them Same to know I'm like on. your like childhood, oh, God. your upbringing, your college career, and then how you found us. All okay. So I grew up in Elmwood, Illinois, go Trojans, small town outside of Peoria. And I was active in everything. I like loved music, sports, all the things. And I had a teeny tiny little school. So I did all the things. Went to Bradley because my mom worked at Bradley. So that meant free tuition. And I started out as a music business major. And my dad said, girl, maybe you should have a backup plan. (laughs) And so I added a comm major. Okay. So that's how probably like the start to my interest in like communications and marketing happened. And then is that enough of a deep childhood trauma? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to people to understand that you like music. That was a big part of your career. You're creative. I'm, some would say creative-ish. I have ideas. I can't do anything with them. I can sing about them. And you're smart. You were like valedictorian of your tiny class. Yes, I was valedictorian. But there were some smart ones. Yeah. Me and a couple other and people who studied. Sure. So yeah. Hard worker, very smart, likes music. Likes music. Ended up at Bradley, got the two majors, always dreamed of going to Nashville okay. and working in the music industry. And like, you did that. And I did it. I got paid peanuts <laughs> and barely survived on ramen noodles and Easy Mac. Were you the girl that just like was running around like bringing coffees to people or what was your job? Well, no, I was the licensing administrator for EMI CMG. So it was the publishing part of the music label. Okay. So like working with songwriters and that kind of stuff. Love it. But the president of the publishing company knew that I had like a PR background. And so he would let me help with press releases and things like that for songwriters Cool. didn't have those people yet. Okay. So he let me do that, which was really cool of him. He did not have to give me a chance. I probably, they probably were really bad press releases. I should go yeah, back and read them. They I would like to. <laughs> They're really bad. Yeah. They probably made people's careers. Kind of like your shitty sketches today, only Shit-tastic. in writing. Fantastic. <laughs> really good at sketches, guys. I'll show you some. So anyway, was in Nashville, was there for a little over two years. My dad got sick. 
And so I was traveling back and forth quite a bit when he was in the hospital. And so I was just like, should I be moving back to Peoria? The thing I said I'd never do. Right. But at the same time, my brother was having kids. And so I was so far away. It was just so hard. And so I started kind of putting my feelers out and saying, like, what can I even do right. in Peoria? And it turns out an old classmate from Elmwood was actually working at Samantha at the time. And so she gave my resume to Susie Ketterer. Yep. Yeah. And so the weirdest part of this whole thing was I came up and had my first interview at Samantha. And then for my second interview, Susie said, I'll just meet you in Nashville. And I was like, well, that, that's, that's weird. weird right? <laughs> and she's like, no, it's fine. We come down to Nashville because we have our client, Cat Financial. And um, I'll bring another account manager so you can meet her and we'll interview you there. So my second interview at Samantha was actually in Nashville at a restaurant. And I'm pretty sure Susie and Kelly Grimm, who is now a client, had several drinks before <laughs> I went to my second interview. And Aaron at the time was like, you know, working at a Christian sure. record company. Absolutely. Walks into the interview and they're like, have a glass of wine. And I was like, no, thank you. How funny. I'll go ahead and have this water. And then I was like shaking. And they, oh my gosh. it wasn't really an interview. And then Susie's like, come back to the hotel. I have the employee handbook. And what? I was like, What's happening? That's so, so funny. So then she told the girl I knew at Samantle that, I had the job before I knew I had the job. That's so the I got a call from her mom congratulating oh me and gosh. I had never gotten an offer. And I was like, okay, so that's my hiring story. I love it. So many people have shared their interview story and it's always crazy. It's so weird. It's just I, how we do it. Yeah. It's a little bit more formal now, I <laughs> a would little, say. A little, yeah. But it was hilarious and I loved it. And then my first client ended up being Cat Financial. Yes. So I still got to. Which is still your client today who you client. love just 15 years faves. later 15 yeah. years later they probably are so sick of me but yeah so that was my that's awesome i love it story. so after you were hired when you came in talk a little bit about the role you played and kind of how you grew in the company like some of your earliest memories maybe oh i'd gosh. love to hear kind so. of what you remember from that long ago so my first memory was my first week here, I started as an account coordinator. It's a role that doesn't exist anymore. And it's kind of like an assistant or it was like an assistant to the account manager. It was a more junior level position. Like an entry level role, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I was working with Kelly Grimm, who's now also a client of mine, which is hilarious. And I remember my first week, she had saved this stack of papers and it was like over a month she knew I was coming. She's like, we'll just put that there for Aaron to file and it'll help her learn. And so there was literally a stack of papers, like three feet That's tall so that I just like filed for my first Where week. did we used to file stuff when know. there was I paper? We had cabinets, <laughs> like we put paper in the cabinets. But weren't there something called job folders? Oh my God, we had job folders. <laughs> yeah, where yeah. we had to like put paper in. We yeah. also had these red folders right? where we would have to mark up our like invoices and like yeah. you guys. That was we a stage of our life. So many forests. <laughs> we have at Samantha recently. Yeah. So your so earliest memory of Samantha was filing a stack yeah, of papers. I, so yeah, my first week, and then also the people in the pod I was with, who some of which are still here, some of which are again clients. clients they were super busy with Con Expo, which okay. is this big trade huge show. trade show, and so they like didn't really talk to me. So I was like, "What have I done?" Wait, did your pod have a name? 
because our pod had a name. It was well, called the Inner Sanctum. What well, was yours? But, uh, that's where I was. Wait, wait maybe you, I wasn't talking to you. Was that what was you happening? In the Inner Sanctum at that yes. time? Yeah, she was one of the bitches. <laughs> talking to me. The best part about this, though, is one of those people who like didn't really talk to me was in my wedding. Really? And, and I was in her. Oh, yeah. Chilean. Of course. Yeah. Our COO. Yeah, so we're actually friends now. She started talking to me because I was like, what is yeah. up with this? And we're actually friends now, too. Yeah, so. I know. Isn't that so weird? Oh, my God. I forgot you were in the inner sanctum. I've had some stories about oh, that. that some her, weird memories about yeah, that space. It's yeah. very odd. But, yeah, so that was my first memory. But then I started liking it yeah. because I realized, like, they actually were nice. What were some of the accounts that you remember? Cat Financial, for sure. That was probably the client that I got most involved with early on, like most hands-on. That was awesome. We did the Don't Shoot campaign. Right. You mentioned that in your point of pride. I did. That was incredible and amazing. That was a lot of me and Jake and Maggie and Susie, yeah. like within the community, learned so much. Such a big impact on our agency. That's actually around Pam's point of pride. So if anybody yeah. hasn't listened to that, go do it because she wasn't even really on the team, but it impacted her so much that her daughter like wrote a whole essay about it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, definitely looking back, that's one of those project specific things that I'm so proud to have been a part of. And honestly, it educated me so much. Right. We did some branding with the greater Peoria area. That was a fun one because that was one of those things where we just like were meeting at rotary clubs and like giving the spiel constantly. It was so good for me to almost learn how to speak publicly to people who were far more experienced than I was, but not in marketing. Right. So that was super powerful for me. My first trade show, like working on a con expo, that's super intense. Yeah. My favorite projects, though, were branding projects Sure, where companies would come in and they like had no idea what they wanted or what we were going to deliver. And we just created something kind of out of nothing and did a lot of research, loved the research. Well, what people need to know about you, though, and you're coming up in Samantha is that, I mean, obviously, we talk a lot on this series about Caterpillar as our biggest account, but you actually got all the other accounts Mm -hmm. that were smaller in scale, but equally, if not more hard to manage, yes. right? Yes. Smaller budgets, smaller accounts. And you just became the girl that just got everything thrown at you. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. I can't remember. You loved it. And then you I hated d- it. Well, the thing that was hard about that is because like you said, the budgets were smaller, Sure, but I think the clients weren't as experienced marketers. Sure. So it took a little bit more time, but there's something that I, especially moving back to the area, when I was working with more community-based projects, I think it helped connect me to the right. area again. You know what I mean? Well, and I think it directly ties to your point of pride because of the women leaders yeah. that you got to work with on those projects. I mean, it was pretty much Susie and Maggie 24-7. Sure. They were like on different projects, the people that I spent the most time with. And I think just watching them navigate, especially community situations where there's lots at stake and a lot of opinions and to watch them navigate conversations to pull information out of people to like watch them get consensus from groups of people who are totally disparate like it's an art right it is a total art to see people who are so skilled at doing that so I learned a ton just by watching them have conversations and the thing that was so cool about those projects is there weren't a lot of people on the projects because there wasn't a lot of budget 
So I wore probably 10 different hats. Right. And so for me, I think the reason I'm in the position I'm in now is because I did all those things. Like right. I had to do those things. And some of them I probably didn't do well, but I learned a lot. Yeah. Like doing interviews. Like Jason Brown would probably be like, oh my God, Aaron is a terrible <laughs> interviewer. No. But I mean, I had to like go out and interview people in the community and figure out, you know, what their challenges were and then take all that information back and condense it and help create a strategy. And because there was only like three people on the team, I was able to kind of do a lot of different things and that I'm so grateful for that because I don't think I would yeah. be where I am today without it. Well, I'd love for you to say a little bit more about just watching Susie and Maggie be able to influence. I'm working on a community initiative right now and learning from leaders that are much more skilled than me on how to get things done and what order they need to happen and how to make smart decisions. But also, I know I learned a lot from them just by like some of the internal brainstorms, right? And just seeing how their minds work. So would you say it was both of those things? Or? Oh my God, for sure. So externally, the thing that I feel like I took from both of them was realizing that to have success you have to be truly authentic sure and so i think you know sometimes when you're an agency it's like the client's always right and push back but push back in this kind of way but i think maggie and susie were so true and honest in what they thought and believed and they never were offensive if they were pushing back but they were just so authentic that people knew that about them and that so then no one was offended and right. people wanted to come to the table and learn. So that's externally, like watching them do that with clients was so powerful. The other thing I will say is internally, some of my favorite memories are sitting in the main conference room upstairs at Samantha. And usually these meetings would somehow be after five, like we'd start a meeting at four and then the brainstorming would continue to evolve and we might have some cocktails perhaps and just watching them throw ideas out no idea is a bad idea but like i just remember early on in my career when they would think of things it's like how the hell did they even think to think of a possible problem that could happen future state to bring it up now right like their i don't know like their ability to think that way was so mind-blowing to me and i remember thinking i'll never get there like, I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm never going to be able to sit in a room and do this as quickly as they can do it. And I'm definitely not Susie and I'm definitely not Maggie. But I think I can do a little bit of that in my own way. And I think, I mean, I owe so much to them for allowing me to participate. Sure. To yeah. be able to... No, you absolutely do that. I mean, I think that's why you're our executive strategy director today, right? Is just that ability to almost predict a few steps ahead and then backwards engineer in your brain, hold a lot of space in your brain to think about a lot of different things. And you consult with me in the moment like yeah. that all the time. I do want to ask you about one specific experience as you're coming up in the business that you didn't mention. It's when you worked on the Ameren account. Oh um, my gosh, how could I forget that? I mean, that was such a pivotal moment in your career because you actually were embedded for a while yes. with the client. So how did that help you grow as an account person? Well, it helped me gain perspective about what actually happens at the client. Sure. So, you know, we can sit here at Samantha and give recommendations and not know what our client is dealing with back at their office. So right. I think that was 
so helpful to almost like give me insight and empathy into what the client is feeling and the pressures that they have going on because I was sitting in their office with them seeing it. So you actually moved to St. Louis for six months, didn't you? Nine months. Nine months. Nine months. So it was like growing a baby. But at the end, I just became a smarter Aaron, I guess. What a commitment out of your life to pick up and move. It was wild. It was the perfect timing though, right? It was like I had been in Peoria, back in Peoria long enough. I was ready for a change. I knew that this was kind of Susie's way of saying, I believe in you. Yeah. Like, let's go get this shit done. We need right. somebody in St. Louis at Ameren headquarters. And that person is you. So I felt like I kind of had something to prove right. too. But yeah, it was nine months, moved to St. Louis, had a tiny little office. It was really a closet, <laughs> if I'm being honest, at the Ameren headquarters. And it was, you know, working with them to relaunch their brand. And so we did a whole identity, positioning, huge ad campaign, lots of research. It was incredible. It probably was one of the most pivotal points in my career because not only was I with the client in their building, but I was also a little isolated from our Symantle team, right? So it was the first experience, not counting COVID, You know, it was kind of like I was alone and I was having to speak on behalf of the whole agency without having people to lean on right next to me. Yeah. And so it forced me to stand in my own decisions and be confident in that. And again, you know, Susie and Maggie were very involved in Ameren and as was Pam Aiello. And they kind of gave me the support I needed to say, like, you've got this, like, trust yourself, go with it. Yeah. You know, and there were definitely course corrections sure. along the way, but they put faith in me. And so I, I always was really, really grateful to them for that. And was that your first opportunity where you started to <clears throat> sort of influence other account people who maybe join that team or like what would you say is your earliest memory of growing into more of a managerial or leadership role as Samantha because I can remember my first manager role and specifically who I was managing yeah you don't have that sort of like memory well the one that comes to mind and he probably would like punch me (laughs) if I I don't care bring it up he can punch me so I remember when Mike Garsha switched teams. Okay. And so he was like working on a lot of cat stuff and then we needed help in the non-cat world as I do. And so he came over to my team. And so I was kind of a mentor for him in some of the work that I had been doing. I actually mentioned him in my point of pride because Mike had come from the outside. So he had healthcare background, right? Yes. So he was, had been at ICC, was at OSF. So seasoned and understood marketing was great but like newer to learning Samantha. sure and we all know that takes agency life is hard yeah and so i think mike would say too like there were definitely some hiccups yeah <laughs> i remember there's a moment where it was probably i don't know three or four months in we were working on ue comp yep and i had in my head the way that we should do the thing. Right. And it was Aaron's way. And it's my process, which I realize now that's just it's my process. Not it's everyone's not like right. mental process. And Mike is super smart and super capable. And he had done something. He had like a presentation outline or something and he was showing it to me. And I was like, no, I think we need to do this, this. 
And I could see his body change when I started like talking to him about how I would do it. And he interrupted me. And I think it took so much courage for him to do this. He interrupted me and he's like, I just need to stop you for a minute. I know that's your way of doing it, but I wish you would trust me and let me think through it and come back to you and show you my way of doing it. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Right. And so this maybe isn't the story you were looking for, but I learned so much about figuring out how people needed to work and different people's process. As long as we got to the same end goal, that was okay. Yes. So it was such a learning experience for me that I don't have to force my way of thinking on everyone. For sure. And like give them space to do their thing. Yeah. And then we can come together and make it even better. But yeah, that was kind of a wake up moment for me. Yeah. It takes a while, I think, in leadership to get comfortable with that. And I think it's interesting in your point of pride, even though you're talking mostly about the women influence, you do mention several of the men here, Mike included. Mm -hmm. And when you share those examples, you almost talk about how they challenge you to think differently. Yeah. And I'm not saying the women didn't do that too, but definitely the male influences in your life have challenged you in big ways. Oh my gosh. Literally every name that's in that list have been my biggest challengers in Samantha. <laughs> but I've also learned a lot from them because they think differently than yes, I do. Right. Absolutely. The thing that I will say is this is such a safe environment. Like I have never been a part, except for my family, sure. Of any community where you can like just have it out and be passionate about your ideas and argue about your ideas. And then walk away realizing that everybody in the room still loves each other. Sometimes you have to say it. We have to hug it out for for sure. Yeah. But it's like, God, that's so healthy. I don't ever want to work at a place where you can't debate. Sure. And then at the end, realize that you both just want the best for the client, for the business, for whatever. For each other. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I don't think everybody has that. That's why I think I could never leave because without that healthy conflict, I don't know that I would be as engaged in my oh, job. Oh, for sure not. You know? It adds interest. <laughs> and it makes the best stories. Yeah. Like, for example, if I can tell a little story sure. about I would love Chris it. and Lori Johnson. Uh-huh. We were having a call about, I literally don't even remember what it was about. It doesn't even matter. You know what I mean? Sure. It mattered nothing, but I still got pissed. So we we're having a conversation and Chris who I refer to as my work brother right? because he picks on me like my real life brother, having a conversation, lots of different opinions. And Chris made some offhanded smart ass comment. And it was like just enough for me that I literally just got up out of my chair (laughs) and Lori was in my office. Chris was dialing in remote. I got up out of my chair and just left. I was like, I need to take a breath because I'm going to say something mean to Chris that goes over the line. So I left, took a walk, and then went to another meeting. I texted Lori and I was like, just end the meeting. We'll resolve it later. It's fine, whatever. Came back after multiple meetings and I had two cookies on my desk. No, you didn't. One from Chris Maine with a note that was like, sorry if I upset you. I'm not sure what I said. And a cookie from Lori that was like, sorry, that call didn't go great, blah, blah, blah. And I guess they like intercepted each other. Like they both were delivering the cookie to my office at the same time. And they're like, wait, you, you got a cookie. I got our cookie. And it's like, what does that say about me? Like, I've never heard that story. Oh my God. Yeah. That is so funny. I love it. But that's what I love about these people. Because again, it's like, 
Everybody cares. Yeah. We're frustrated, but we're frustrated because we care. Oh, I know. And then I got two cookies out of it. I know. Yeah. No, you and I were in a meeting the other day and you're like, did I just piss you off? And I was like, no, actually, Abby pissed me off. And this, we had a big hug. <laughs> and fest. I was like, thank God it wasn't <laughs> No, I do love our culture. All right, so let's do a big pivot, though, because I want to get to talking about the women in your life and especially little Kenny May. So talk about the stage of your career where you became a mom and how that changed everything for you. Uh, Yeah, please cry. I want to make you cry. I don't want to (laughs) cry. You're Um, emotional because she just turned three, I feel like. She just turned three. Like, literally last week, you guys, she turned three, and she's just the best. So, yeah, so I became a mom at 37. So I was a little bit older. They call it geriatric, <laughs> which is really nice. I thought they called it advanced maternal age. Oh, no, my OB <laughs> called it a geriatric okay. pregnancy. So there's that. But I'm so glad that I waited because obviously I have this great baby with my super cool husband who will never listen to this and I'll pretend like I said a bunch of nice things about him but and she only calls him Drupal Wald he, ha- he has to have his first name and his last yeah, name at all times it's because there's so many other important Drews <laughs> in my life I don't know your daughter my daughter Drew. maybe that's why okay yeah so 37 had Kennedy super glad I waited I think I probably would not have been a great mom earlier on like you needed to live your life I needed to live my life I needed to travel I needed to understand me so I could be a good mom so three years ago, had my little Kennedy Mae Bowald. Kennedy, for those of you that don't know me, was my maiden name. So that was kind of like props to my dad who passed away. Yeah. So I wasn't going to name her Tom because that would be weird. <laughs> so I remember you telling me you were going to name her that on a trip to Cap Financial, actually. Yeah. yeah. So you're still EKK to me. I will always think of you as Thank that. you. I still sometimes think that I'm Aaron Kennedy, but now it's weird because my kid's Kennedy. But yeah, so Kennedy is just the best. Like, so spunky. I didn't understand. Yeah, it. she's like you reincarnate, but she looks like Drew. It's yes. very, yeah. So. Super weird. And you guys, I had Kennedy in October before the pandemic. So if you know anything about me, you know me as a people person. Like yes. I need people to energy. give me energy. Yes. And so maternity leave wasn't <laughs> my favorite because it was during winter. And then I just like watched 30 Rock for hours every day. It was weird. <laughs> I loved this baby so much. But then I was like, I need my people. Yes. And my baby had always been work. Yeah. And now I have like a real actual baby. baby. Yeah. And I'm like, where does work fit in? So I was grateful to go back to work in January. So I was just finally feeling like I was settling back in. I'm like, okay, I've got this mom thing down. I'm getting back into work. I'm feeling good about work. And then go yep. ahead. Did you just jump on it? Yes, I did. You, you scared me. <laughs> so it exploded. It exploded in March. <laughs> and then we had to go back home. And then we had to go back home. And I was like early March and I'm like vibing. I got it. I'm a working mom. I'm figuring this shit out. <laughs> and then I'm home with my husband. And I'm like and a working in a baby. <laughs> And thank God our in-home daycare, not in my home, but someone's home, stayed open. So she wasn't like trying to be there and have us work. So guys, I feel like 
I went like sort of back into this weird postpartum-y depression thing. Yeah. It's like super downer. I didn't mean to go down this path, right, but right. it's like part of my journey. So it took several months and there was a very pivotal moment when I was dropping my child off to daycare and I just wasn't me, right? I hadn't been me for months. I was kind of miserable working from home, feeling like I kind of sucked as a mom, kind of sucked at my job and just a little depressed. And Misty, whose children went to the same daycare as my child, was dropping off at the same time. She says, I don't know if this is true. She says, I walked past her and didn't acknowledge her, which I don't know. Maybe you just had something on your mind. Maybe. I took it personally. Yes. (laughs) I would too, personally. (laughs) So then I'm like sitting in my car and I'm like on my phone or something. And then I hear this And it was Misty. So I roll my window down and say what you said. Do you remember what you said? I don't remember my exact words. You were like, I don't know what's going on, (laughs) but you're not you. And I need you to get back to your errand. You guys should see the hand movements. I'm doing a lot of A lot of like head movements and hand motions, like very snotty. Yes. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But you're not you. Yeah. I feel like that was kind of it, right? And I was like, "Mm and I was like, okay. And then I just like, (laughs) and I was like, what is she talking about? That's so rude. Ugh. And then I was like, she's right. And then literally drove home and just wept and realized like, what the hell? I need to get my mojo back. I don't know what it was, but it kind of like shook me. And then within like two or three days, you were back on the level. Yeah. That's all it took. And you know what I think I did though? I did also start like hanging out with people more and like bringing people in. And like, if I could... We sometimes went to the office. If I could go into the office, I would just to have like a change of environment. And that helped a ton. And then coaching also helped. It was about that time that. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So that was, gosh, was that the end of 2020 maybe that that started? Maybe. So Samantha was cool enough to let some of the leadership team have a coach. And so her name is Rebecca. You've been on her podcast. I've been on her podcast. She's been on my podcast. Everybody should listen to these things. She, I mean, honestly, and Tim even said this, which I feel like Tim doesn't bullshit, right? Right. Well, he does bullshit, but not about this stuff. Right. He's like, you are changed. You are different after this coaching. And it's not anything that was like rocket science, but I think spending time with Rebecca made me realize that I put so much pressure on myself as a mom and as the executive strategy director at Samantha that I didn't put any boundaries on anything. Right. And I stopped, this sounds so stupid, but like I stopped kind of caring about what I needed and what Samantha needed from me. And I know like, you know, one of the lessons I learned is for me to be my best at Samantha, I have to have energy because my energy can give life to a room or it can suck it right out. Absolutely. And so if I'm not in a place of good energy, that impacts the business. It truly does. And so what I realized is if I'm working constantly, even though I don't need to and other people can do the things that I feel like I think I need to, if I'm working constantly, my energy is going to places that don't matter, right? I'm not bringing my best self to work. And so that was a really good lesson. And then just prioritizing my kid yeah. like, realizing I told this story on Rebecca's podcast. There was a moment when Kennedy was like, not even a year old. I was at home and I was checking teams messages and she was on my lap and 
trying to like read through a book and she literally hit the phone out of my hand as I'm teamsing someone. And I'm like, shit, this kid isn't even a year old. And she knows that I'm not focused on picking up on those cues. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just kind of like all of those things together. Right. Kind of made me wake up and realize like, oh, I don't have to work 60 hours a week to be valued here. I just have to bring my best self. Yeah. And so all of that combined, a couple things jump out at me. One, I think coaching brought you a lens that even though you admired your leaders and wanted to model them, you had this recognition that you didn't have to right. because you were your own human. Right. Totally. And then the other thing I think is like just baking that identity into your daughter and like make unpacking her unique mm-hmm. self was a big part of that process. Yeah. And it's so weird because it's like, this sounds so messed up. I hope Susie and Maggie never listen to this. <laughs> oh, they're podcast. going to. <laughs> but I feel like in so many ways, they were like big sister or mother figures to me, right? Like teaching me how and right. showing me how. And the thing that Susie and Maggie had as a background that I don't is a creative background, right? Mm. So then I had to learn my own way. Like, how do I help the agency and have these big ideas and be strategic without being a designer or without being a writer. And so I had to find my own way and they were super supportive in that. But then I also, it's like, now I have this child and I want to like show her the way and I want to teach her the way, but I don't want to put my shit on her, right? Like not everything that's in me will be in her. Yeah. And so I know that's like such a weird, like Mm -hmm. from work to home, but that's a lesson that I think I learned at Samantha and it took me a long time that like, I don't have to be these people, yep. but I have to find things about them that I want to take on and use, but then bring my own value in. Yeah. And so I'm trying to do that with my daughter too. Like, don't put my like organization freak side on her because I don't want her to have like anxiety. Don't like, try to turn her into you, yeah. but let her be and her. And she's right? so not. Yeah. Like she's so like so many characteristics are me but so much is Drew and so much is just her own unique little weirdo that's awesome so just a few more things I want to ask you about I love that you're a mom and I love that you've been able to model what motherhood looks like for your team now, which is very large. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. But before we get there, I want you to talk about what the women in leadership surrounding you today look like that's different than your mom-sister relationship that you had with Susie and Maggie. And I'll just plant some seeds because I feel like we're all in this together. Like we came up in the business together. We are friends. I talk about that a lot on the podcast that Samantha is not a place where you can't be friends with the people you work with. But I know you and I spend a lot of time together over drinks and all kinds of things, trips. <laughs> I, I don't like, even know. And what? I don't know what we do a lot of things together, don't we? Board games. Spend time together. I don't know. Yes. But yeah, those are some really like deep, intimate conversations that we get into. So it is very different. And it's so interesting because it's like, I would never, the relationship I had with my leaders coming up, I wouldn't change anything about it. Right? Absolutely. Like, it made me who I am, but it was much more like older sister, mother kind of relationship. Whereas now the leaders I feel like are buddies, you know, and like just there for each other. Right. In it together. We're all kind of in the same phase of life a little bit. Sure. And so I think that that brings, you know, that like sense of camaraderie and commonality. We're all like literally 
wiping butts and <laughs> just trying to survive noses yeah. that's kind of the stage that we're in and yeah. so I think that that's a really interesting different dynamic than you know 10 years ago with the leaders I also think now at Samantha there's a lot more openness and just the ability to be super transparent like with the stuff that's going on at home and right. realizing how that impacts work and vice versa. And I think that that's just a something that's changed in the world. Absolutely. Right? COVID impacted COVID, that too. Yeah, yeah. COVID definitely had an impact on that. And so I'm so grateful that some of the deepest conversations I've had in the past five years have been with my coworkers. Yeah. The people that, you know, I turn to on the regular are my coworkers. Sure. When shit hits the fan, it's my coworkers. Like a lot of yeah. my coworkers and leaders are the ones that I know will help guide me because they get it, right? Yeah, you and I talk about that a lot with our little group of friends. It's just that like when you live in a crazy environment like Samantha and it is chaotic a lot of times, that unless you sort of understand that sort yeah. of compartmental space of life, it's hard to fully understand how that impacts every other section of life. And so totally. I, I think we talk about those intersections a lot. Is that something that you're trying to bake into the culture of your team? For sure. I think the thing that I'm trying to communicate to my team is that, like, again, we're not saving lives here. Sure. I literally have a friend who that's what she does for her job. And I always feel like a piece of shit when I talk about my job because she's legitimately saving lives. And so our work is important, but not as important as our families. Yes. And, you know, like, so I want to make sure just kind of how I said my best self at Samantha is a person who has reserved some energy to bring. I want to make sure my team knows that that is extended to them too. Like I don't want them to come in with no energy. Yes. And so boundary setting, again, I know it's like a total buzzword, but it's been so important. And I think me communicating my boundaries to my team has hopefully helped them realize that they also can have boundaries. Yes. And I sometimes find myself like sliding back into old ways and letting boundaries go or even questioning other people's boundaries. And then it's like, no, girl, why are you doing that? Yeah. Like, they have a boundary for a reason. It's there for them and they're going to be better for it. And Samantha's going to be better for it in the long run. Yeah. Well, before I switch and ask you a little bit then about like your job today, because you're managing a lot of different functions, you're helping drive the agency forward as part of the executive team. Is there anything else you want to say, though, just about your point of pride and why you chose this? I mean, I literally looked at that little info sheet forever. I'm like, what? I have so many projects that are like the coolest projects. I'm so proud of creating something out of nothing. Like, that's the thing I love so much about Smeanel. But like, I just kept thinking when people ask me about Samantha, the thing that I smile about when I talk about it is all these badass bitches. It's yeah. like people are so surprised. Even like when we go to Amen Conference, which is a network of agencies we belong to, it's heavily male. I mean, it's a male dominated industry, right? Sure. And so people are surprised when I talk about the leaders and how they're mostly female. And a lot of my team is female. And I'm so proud of that. Like, that's when I glow and I don't even know how to express it in words, but just like looking at Kennedy, I'm going to cry, looking at Kennedy and thinking like, 
I do not want anything to hold her back. Yeah, she can do and anything. She can do anything. Yeah. Truly can do anything. And especially this day and age when there's some questions around things that are happening, it's like, I don't want any second or moment in her life to be spent on thinking of what she can't do because she's a woman. Oh, and yeah. I am so proud to have her like come into the office and see all these women doing all these things. And I want her to realize that like she's her on her own merit and it's not like she's smart for a woman or she's good at that for a woman. Sure. It's just, I don't know, just becoming a girl mom has just made me a feminist or something. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, again, it's just like, that's the thing that makes me glow when I talk about some animal. Well, that fills my heart because I too, you know, it's hard when you go into a room of 80% male dominated industries, you know, but that's just never been our experience. And I'm very grateful for that. Yes. Thank God. All right. So share just a tiny bit about the work you're doing today, the different disciplines you're hoping to, you know, have a stake in as we go forward over the next 12 to 18 months and maybe what you're most excited about. Oh my gosh. So much is changing in the world and in our work. And so, Really recently, what we've done is kind of combined some departments together, and I've always kind of, you know, overseen the account teams, right? The client service teams, that's always been my gig. But like I mentioned before, another area that I always have loved so much is communication strategy and just that strategy side of our work. It's always been my favorite part is when I get to be a part of projects like that and initiatives like that. So... Recently, what we've done is kind of merged our strategy team and our account planning team together because it makes a ton of sense. Because when you think about the people in this agency who are going to be as closely connected with the client as possible, understand their business, kind of know the client's industry, has history with them, it's our strategists yeah. and our account planners. Well, and it's so, the whole front end of the process, right? right? Yeah, exactly. And it's the people that stay with a client long term. Sure. So, the account planners and the strategists are, you know, account planners are day to day, but the strategists are on an account and kind of dipping in and out all along the life cycle of that account, right? So it just makes sense to bring them together. I think there's also a lot that we can learn from each other and yes. our different disciplines. And I think it can only benefit our team and our agency by bringing those disciplines together. So I'm super excited about that. And I'm also excited that you're going to be taking a bigger role in growing business because you yes. love building relationships and you're both organic and new. Yes. And you just over the past few years haven't had as much time to worry about that because you've been so focused on growing your client service team. But we're on the precipice of that whole part of your venture. I know. I'm very excited about that team kind of coming in with our team. That's another thing that was kind of a no brainer is as you think about the client work, the very beginning of all the work we do. I mean, that's the new business team, yeah, right? And right. so to be more collaborative with that team and our brand, it just makes so much sense. It's like, why didn't we think of this sooner? And again, I just think that there's so much collaboration with that front forward facing interaction with all of those roles that I think it'll be really positive for our clients who experience that. So I'm so lucky to get to work with you and Chris Maine on our brand because I'll get to watch the brother sister oh dynamic there. It's going to be fun. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> but I can't think of two people who love our company more. So I'm so excited sure. for where we're headed. You'll have to get a referee outfit. And so that'll be me. I'm excited. Can, yeah, I'm so excited <laughs> for you. All right. So we'll end with just a couple pieces of advice. You've been here 15 years. That's a long time. What would you say to a new Samantha who's just joining our team? Your best words of wisdom on how to be successful. 
I mean, the thing I do say to every new account planner who starts is never leave a question unasked. Right. Like this is not a culture where we fault you for asking questions. I mean, don't ask the same question like 20 (laughs) times, like remember the answer. But I just think the thing that makes us us is our inquisitive nature. And so successful people at Seminole will ask questions so they understand and think critically about it. And I just think people who are fearful of that or who can't get over that fear won't be successful here. You just That's you what have to ask questions. Susie taught us to be fearless. You put that in your point of pride. For sure. It's the same with questioning. What about a client? What would a client need to know in terms of how to be successful working with Samantha? Not be annoyed by giving a lot of questions. I knew you were going to say that. No, I think, I think the thing with clients is, God, we have so many amazing clients. And the reason we have such great relationships is trust. Right. right. And so... I guess I would just want to communicate, and I guess we have to prove this, that as an agency partner, we don't see ourselves as a vendor. We truly see ourselves as part of your marketing arm of your company. And so to be successful as a man, just be transparent with us. Yeah. Like Treat us like you would a team member. We want you to be successful, and your success is our success. Like I literally... The moments I live for are when this just actually happened with Marsha Colburn. She had to present our ideas up to her boss's boss. And so we like, we're working together on this deck. We're waiting, waiting, waiting. Did Marsha have a meeting yet? What's happening? And then she sends us this note, like, it's good. We're good to go. And it's just like those celebratory moments of like, we worked on that together and she went and sold it. Right and was so happy and now we get to do this work that's so meaningful and so important to their business but it's because the trust is there and we believe in each other and she treats us like we're part of the team I you love know that. those are the best client relationships oh my god i love it yeah and again like those are also the people who just like samantalites i've learned so much from right like how they work and how they work within their organizations and they're also the people who follow up with you on personal stuff yeah. Like yeah. sending my baby a gift when she's born. Yeah. Like that's the kind of relationships we have yeah. here at Samantha. And the bravery to go sell things. I mean, that's part of being a marketer. So I love it when clients do that. All right. So my last question I'm asking folks has been, what advice do you have for ownership? But I'm actually going to ask it differently to you because uh, you're part of the executive team that's driving the success of this. And one of the things that we're working on culturally, right, is that it like doesn't all fall back on the owners is that we're all doing this business building thing together. So I guess maybe not advice, but like, what are you most excited to help drive for the vision of the company in the next couple of years? Oh, my gosh. That's like a loaded question. You know, I always go to the people space. Sure. The thing I'm most excited about is seeing the leaders at our company come into their own. Yeah. And like the growth that we experienced several years back in starting to lead and the impact that had on us as humans. I'm so excited to see that in them. And I'm so excited and so proud already of the people on my team and and the other leaders for the work that they've done. Mm -hmm. And the people that they've become right. and the coaches and mentors that they've become. And for me, it's always about the people. Like that's just who I am. Seeing them have that success literally makes me feel like a proud mom. Oh, that's I'm, awesome. I'm like a best friend who's like, girl, you did it. Yes. You so go. in some ways it's come full circle for you that 
all that women leadership that you were granted, you're able to do that for others now and watch them do it for the next generation. So that's very exciting. Makes me so happy. Yeah. Well, Erin, thank you so much for joining and sharing your point of pride. You're one of my very favorite people on the planet. I tell you that all the time. Erin's always the person who shows up for me in big ways. So this was just another one. Thanks for doing the show. Thank you. Thank you, Erin, for all you do leading your team and helping to guide the direction of the agency. I appreciate you so much. You play an important role and are a great influence on those around you. It's so much fun working with you, and I can't wait to see what challenges we tackle together next. To hear more Samantha Point of Pride stories, go to marketingsweats.com or wherever you get your podcasts and check out the rest of the episodes in our very special season six. You can hear more from Erin about her Point of Pride by visiting the 40th anniversary page on samantha.com. That's a wrap for today. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.